Hello and welcome to the Power Passion Podcast. And I know what you guys are all thinking. It's the same guy from the other video, but don't worry. We've joined uh, collaborative forces, myself and Larry. And what we're going to do is we're going to structure it. Uh, Larry and I are going to look at the global uh, events in the world and essentially just delve into it, keep you guys informed of the up coming content and then every other week we're gonna have a guest we're gonna have a guest who's the guest that we have on wednesday larry it's going to be uh, it's your friend isn't yes, it? yes george george georgie boy georgie boy we're gonna talk about finances yes we're gonna talk about uh the stock market as it is real estate investiture equity yeah all the good stuff that you love about hearing in finance he's a very good guy he's, a smart he's, guy. A, he's probably pairing with a personality like kevin hart yeah he's a very very passionate mm. Very energetic, uh, young black guy. Yeah. Very great. Very great. Man, we're all about that passion. Very great. Now, I just wanted to bring bring this up, and this is probably the first and last time we're going to bring up in this specific podcast, mm. Trump and uh, his latest tweet. Oh. Now, he used a, a Hans Zimmer soundtrack. We love Trump. In one of his, <laughs> one of his, his videos. He did. And this is kind of like a growing trend with music artists saying, hey, don't use that. Don't You're not you? authorized to use that That's music. It. Because I don't like your face. I don't like your hair. I don't like that. You know, so, so there's a lot of, it's a lot of uh, interesting kind of music industry uh, hate towards Trump. But mm. I mean, the whole world seems to dislike him a little bit in the press well, anyway. absolutely. In the press, absolutely. yeah. Um, You've got to be interested in how that music industry reacts to itself as well. well. I honestly wonder how many other presidential candidates or people that have been running how for president... How many people have had this how much vitriol? They, That's it. They, how many people have used the soundtracks mm. and gotten away with it? That's it. I, I want to know. That's something that we need to explore yeah. in a later day. Well, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. we'll definitely talk about it in the future. Absolutely. But I mean, at the moment, uh, Prince, who's a very big artist, he's... Yeah. He, he died, what, 2017? And I believe he's having a legal battle yeah. between his estate and, uh, who is it? Yes. Two other people? The Okay, so for, for those viewers at home, essentially Prince's family mm-hmm. is having a dispute between a sound engineer. Now, what the sound engineer did is he had a few recorded songs that Prince had done in the mm. past, and he released them post his death, mm. and then another one after that. So now, obviously, you've got that kind of ghost royalties that are piling up after a musician dies and people just are it fascinated. It goes to his family, isn't it? Yeah. You'd assume it would go to his family. Go, well, you'd assume this, but this mm. guy's kind of tried to make a little bit of something on the side. That's it. Which is obviously uh, incorrect. Prince was a hell of a... He was very protective of his music. Very protective of his music. Um, yeah. such, such the quintessential artist, almost. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, he basically hated when people pirated his songs. You know, you couldn't find anything for the life of you back in the day yeah. when you wanted to pirate a song of Prince's. And what, what do you think of Napster? Napster? Yeah. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. Well, no, Napster in particularly the file sharing service that mm. Sean uh, Fanning and Sean Parker created back just when it comes to the music industry and the fact that they, what they did is they were pretty much the first kind of limewire torrented kind of music service. Right. And they, they thought they were doing okay until it was Led Zeppelin or of all people, uh, or some some Metallica. Metallica, Metallica was yes, it? Yeah, Metallica. <laughs> you, you'd think that Metallica would be cool with it, but no, they uh, they, was, they sued him, and and they inevitably had to shut the the startup down. But this was this kind of it went Napster file sharing, Steve Jobs and the Apple Store, and now kind of streaming towards Spotify. So it's interesting mm. to see this evolution in music. So we've gone. 
even yeah. in, in music but downloading they, it's software, a very well. bankrupt business it though. is so it? even if you go to Spotify I, you don't get much I think apparently. it's a little bit soul crushing as well yeah and I'm, I'm scared of what's going to happen in the future when's your next EP coming out where's my, where's my next um, you can find me on Spotify <laughs> and my own SoundCloud <laughs> I do my own SoundCloud raps as well yeah um, no I'm, I'm nervous about where uh, music's going Okay. I mean, it's it's kind of interesting because I don't know if people uh, recognize that it's almost the same producers producing the same music. Yeah. Particularly if it's, we're talking about mainstream. Uh, I think it's music. forcing a lot of these artists to tour, mm. like again and again, again and again, again and again. But even still, it's not the golden years. Like mm. we're talking. This uh, isn't the eighties or the nineties. Yeah, like this like CD sales, mm. you know, uh, tape. I suppose cassettes. If vinyl's you go still back, a big thing, man. Vinyl, vinyl's interesting. Vinyl's a little bit interesting, but yeah. I don't. It's such a niche, little uh, little kind of market to try and tap into. Um, I think I'm worried about the most is, um, you know, what happens to these artists after they're dead. Yeah. You know, I think well, Tupac was probably a big influence on a, on a lot of people. The yeah. Quintessential rapper. Tupac and, was very mm. revolutionary in his, in his lyrics mm. and probably a little bit too early for his time. Mm. I believe he was he was shot right. In a Tupac. Gang, yeah, gang yeah, yeah, it's in unfortunate. But he. Um, he was very good at breaking down the intolerance mm. of his age, I suppose, eliminating, eliminating those kind of racial boundaries mm. and pushing the, the edges of what was acceptable, I suppose, in terms of lyrical content mm. and what the producer and the record label would eventually output. Mm. It's, and I suppose Bob Marley is another one to examine. Mm. You think to, he didn't even, he was just like a happy guy on a beach, dreadlocks, you know, Bob Marley was yeah, a sensation. Mm. Yeah, it's just very interesting to see how the music industry is is operated under. In fact, there's a brilliant documentary that anyone should check out if they're watching this right now. They should check this out after they've watched this, of course. Yeah, oh yeah. And it's 30 Seconds to Mars kind of legal battle mm -hmm. with um, their record label. So they're, they're battling with that to try and get a better record uh, deal. That's it. And it's just fascinating because it gives you the ins and outs of the music industry and that, how it stands today. I'm pretty sure most of the musicians, when Steve Jobs was just like, hey, this is the best deal you're going to get. It's the mm. iTunes store. I mean, it's either this or people are going to download all your songs free online. I don't think they would have loved that. No, but I don't think uh, they're going to even be more excited about what happens to them after they die. Have you seen some of this new technology stuff that's coming out? No. They're building a, basically holographs and holographic oh, imagery yes. of yes. people. Yes. Of these dead artists like Tupac, like yeah. Prince. I mean, you saw this giant hologram of Prince singing with Justin Timberlake at yeah. a Super Bowl almost two years ago. Yeah. Like, almost fresh after his death sort of thing. Oh, the body's not cold, and they already made a holograph of him. What's what's the ethical repercussions of doing such a thing if you're not the artist's family? Oh, man. I the money would have to go to the artist's family, family, right? You would assume so, but do the record labels own these people's images? I don't know. Have they signed Past their sort of terms and conditions? That's, that's absolutely fascinating. Yeah. That's not fantastic. It's fucking awful. It's <laughs> demonic, <laughs> man. Horrible. It's disgusting. Horrible. Ugh, I'd hate to fucking be one of those, Horrible. those people. Anyway... I looked up to the stars the other night. Did you? Yeah. What did you see? Nothing, because I didn't have a telescope. Oh, right. No, but... Uh, but uh, <laughs> Too I, much uh, light pollution. But as uh, I'm sure our viewers are aware, uh, we've finally seen our first black hole. We've seen our first black hole. What, it, what, what does it look like? 
it looks basically like what, what? What's your comparison that you made? I saw your post. You saw my post. Yeah. It looks like the eye of Sauron from Lord of the Rings. Okay. And that was a movie that was made uh, what back in two thousand and three. Yeah. For anyone that's not familiar, obviously we've got this uh, depiction of the black hole and the image. You can check it out online right now. How far it's, away is that black hole? That, that black 500 hole. Million that's trillion, it. is it? And the light's only getting to us now. Now, yeah. That, and that's the thing. It's, it's this destructive force in the universe that's kind of outlined by a, mm. a kind of fiery ether which is surrounding the hole. Yeah. And it's just, it's just really fascinating how I suppose... Some people are being let down. Can you believe this? There's some yeah. people that are going, you know what, that's not the black hole that I imagined. I'm not going to accept it. <laughs> like, I bet the flat earthers are going, you know what, nah. No, 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 it's, no. it's just an illusion. It's just an illusion. <laughs> it's what it is. Yeah. Black hole's not even real. Man, I, I don't know, do you think that appeals to, like, subconscious? Like, the ideal epitome of what evil is, is this black hole with, like, a... The light just disappearing into the very center of it, but you can't see the light at a certain point. Uh, I, so it looks like an eye of a. Uh, I abyss think almost. if there was anyone right now mm. that was taking their life for granted, mm. and they they look up and they saw that, mm. I mean, if that was approaching us and it was closer to us, you'd kind of think to yourself, "Well, hey, gotta, I've got to make uh, the most of my life whilst it lasts," because there's this uh, all-consuming, destructive nature of this black hole, and it kind of confirms mm. everything that Einstein said about the theory of relativity. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a, a science nerd per se, but I'm fascinated by everything that that, that young, well, young, sorry, old Jewish mm. man, <laughs> man did in his, uh, in his day. He, yeah. he did experiments back in the 1970s on black hole theory, and it was, mm. it was interesting. Yeah. 1917. Yeah. We've got Hawking's too, obviously. Yeah, we did have Stephen mentioned. Hawking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Now, there's an election going on. An election? Yes. Both in Australia and in India. Which do we want to cover first? Do we want to talk about India? Or do we want to talk about Australia? Oh. I say we go international. Go on, Let's go do on. India Let's go first. Okay, sure. So, who's, who are the f two big, big uh, major players? And what are they doing? Internationally right now, we've mm. got election in India. Mm -hmm. And the major players that we've got are the uh, Narendra Modi. Mm -hmm. uh, who is fighting against Rahul Gandhi. And there is uh, tensions here, because this is one of the world's biggest polls. Mm. I think we've got like something like 900 like million um, people that are going to vote, and it's in seven different phases. Can yeah. you imagine this? Because this, the, I don't know how they're going to manage this. I mean, it's like that's a lot of votes. That's a shitload. Can you of imagine votes. being in that ballot ballot booth? booth. You know, you know, oh, just yeah. like uh, you just want to be the there votes. for like two minutes, but then oh, you, you want to be out of there oh, quickly. Oh, but it would need to be so, to so, so heavily monitored, and, and everything needs to be old school because mm. you'd be afraid of, of someone kind of like having a cyber hack on mm, it. Yeah, exactly. It's it's crazy, and there's this growing tension because. Whatever the result is, Larry, mm. Mm. according to a friend of mine who is from India, mm -hmm. he told me that there is uh, tensions between China and India. Of course. There's kind of like passive-aggressive tensions with arms dealings. Yeah, yeah, I believe that. The communist government of uh, China, now they're basically making, making their current leader a lifetime leader. Yeah. That's kind of a scary idea. Yeah. I don't like the Go idea Go back to of, the dynasties. I don't like the idea of Mao Zedong coming around or coming back sort of thing, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, man, it's it's gonna be quite an interesting decade we're gonna live in for 2020, I imagine. 2019 is gonna be an interesting year, particularly in Asia. Yeah. Um, and that Pakistan India 
rivalry and that border tension at the moment that's kind of a big deal as it's well, huge isn't it? it's huge and it, it's very it flares up every every it's year almost but very it seems like it's worse very interesting to kind of stand back from mm. politically mm. and look at the global scene everything's mm. going back towards patriotism it's nationalism yeah nationalism is kind of that well the people in power mm. are pushing it mm. uh, there are still people out there that want open borders mm. and like a more free on immigration of course they do and so on and so forth well, where do you, i was wondering where do you stand on on immigration oh, it's a difficult one man it is a difficult one i mean economically speaking immigration seems fine yeah. From an economic standpoint, but every other aspect of it, I'm, I'm questioning it a little yeah. bit more every every day. I personally have kind of developed this belief that as long as the person takes the correct route to citizenship, is fine with the cultural customs of the country, mm. embraces it, then I'm fine with them practicing their own religion, their own beliefs, as long as that's mm. not infringing upon local laws mm. and to to which the extent that they are not i suppose being open-minded i i don't mind uh people being tribal i think that's cool i think I it's think very important ultimately tribalism is part of human nature yeah. but i think it's probably the uglier part of human nature almost like it has so many negative repercussions it almost outweighs the positive ones but i think People do need a sense of community, and it doesn't matter where they get that sense of community from. Yeah. As long as it's from like-minded people, I'd like to think that humanity... As long as the tribe, say for instance... Mm. Okay, let's pick. Uh, uh, Okay, a group of Vietnamese people. Yeah. As long as I can walk into that group and hang out with them, Mm -hmm. I'm cool with tribalism. Yeah. As long as that's fine, Mm. then that's cool. However, if they say, oh, go away... Then, then I'm kind of yeah. I'm iffy with tribalism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but to but be that's honest, the basics of it almost. Oh yeah, we we were we, that's how human beings essentially evolved. We mm. were small tribes of about a hundred people that we we knew throughout lifetime, mm. and we had these really deep interpersonal uh, connections. Yeah. And now it's very globalized. Our connections are everywhere. Yeah. And you're right. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, I was thinking the other day. Mm-hmm. Because obviously I'm a university student, yeah. and you are also. Oh, yeah. Is your degree valuable? Is my degree valuable? Yes. Well, to me it is. And uh, to, the, to the market? Oh, fuck. Yeah. That's an interesting question. I'm yeah. going to go, yeah, to a degree. I, <laughs> to a degree. Um, <laughs> with, with, it, with an emphasis um, on what I can do in terms of designing, yeah, I, I don't really care. Life's not all about the money for me. And I, I imagine it's not always that way with a lot of people, but do I want to make money? Yeah. Do I want to eventually pay off that student debt that I've now accumulated? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, yeah. Sorry. It, it's not a matter of uh, what I would be doing with my degree. It'd just be as long as I'm happy and I'm making money to pay off that degree, I'm happy. I think there's a disconnect mm. between academia mm. and the workforce. Oh, yeah. Because the work, the workforce, especially with my degree... What do you mean with the workforce? Okay, I'm, for, I'm speaking financial services. Oh, yeah. And because that's interlinked with the technology space and how they're doing things and how they're automating things, mm-hmm. it's, it's leaving academia behind. Oh, yeah. So a lot of what I've learned within my degree is practical to an extent, but it's not... There's no skill set... The trouble per with, se, the trouble there are, but not, not a lot. Right, you know? Is uh, it's so much theoretical stuff goes into university that not enough of the actual practicality of what you could use in a workforce is there. 
and I, it's this it's this cruel loop that we've been put into where it's like uh, you you can't have the job that you want because you don't have the experience how do you get the experience so you, you go to university but the university you're not getting any of the experience yeah. that you need to get the job that you want to get are we putting, that, uh, being put almost. into this kind of educational coma is it a three to four year educational coma? We go into the workforce mm -hmm. and your first boss is like, you know what, that degree is very fancy and it got you an interview, but throw that stuff at the door, come into the office and type up some spreadsheets. Yeah. Is, that, pretty is much, that what we're going to do? Is that, I don't know. I'm going to tell you, yeah. as a designer, I really don't want to fucking be <laughs> making spreadsheets. You're just, man. Like, you're just like, I'm away from the quantitative analysis. I'm not going to be doing that. Did you want to yeah. be in that uh, Brazil type of environment where every day all you do is you wake up and then you go straight to work in this little tiny office cubicle and oh. you have to present these little yes. data forms almost? I, I feel like I'm getting really good at delivering PowerPoint presentations. Oh, I love PowerPoint presentations. Uh, but, but, yeah. but jokes aside, jokes, <laughs> jokes aside, there is a real good teamwork environment that you do learn at university. I think that is very valuable because mm. it teaches you one lesson and that lesson is don't rely on the team. You have to be self-confident to an extent to guide that team mm. and hopefully you've got a few people that are That, that actually are know what they're doing. But if they make it through the employment door, they're going to be good. Yeah. They're going to be very you assume, confident. You assume so. what, more they've shown the door otherwise, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. That's an interesting sort of discussion, man. We've got to talk more about that education. That gap between education and uh, the middle class and, and uh, almost the elite, if you will. Yes. That's getting pretty big, isn't it? Now, this is a growing thing to which we could all sit back and laugh about 25 years from now. Mm. We could be going, oh, AI and automation, mm -hmm. oh, autonomous vehicles, mm. oh, we're all going to be jobless, we're yeah. all going to be That's it. We're all gonna be doing something like this. <laughs> but the funny thing about this is from a lot of books that I've read about uh, automation and AI is that, okay, if you take the advent of the personal computer. Mm -hmm. Yes, there was job displacement. Oh, but yeah. there was also job creation. Yeah. I think for every one, I think if I get the statistic right from a book that I've read, which was called Machines of Love and Grace, that book said that for every personal computer that was made, there was about three jobs created for that. So you've got to understand it from that side. But in more reference, we're talking about the middle class. Mm. And how the middle class are going to adapt to that change. Mm. And they should probably start right now. Sooner is always well, better well, than well, later. Hashtag learn to code. Learn to code. Now, can you, can you think you, it's a meme. Can you, but... can you bring that, bring us up to speed <laughs> as to what happened with that learn to code thing? I'm pretty sure you're, you're well versed on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the memester around okay. here. So, eons and eons ago, right before the 2016 election, you'd see a whole bunch of these uh, BuzzFeed journalists, these... These people who are fresh out of college that basically thought of themselves as almost this revolutionary type of people. Yeah. Um, they look down on basically the middle class. Mm. These are the people with the blue collar jobs that go to work in a mine, go to work in a factory, all yeah. the what yeah. is called the Rust Belt in the USA. And there was a lot of was it truck drivers or it was miners? Truck drivers, miners? truck drivers and miners, miners both yeah. and both. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they're losing their jobs. And it's like, well, I don't have any qualifications and I don't have the money to go to college. Sort of yeah. thing. So journalists would be, learn to code. But how are they going to learn to code? Sort yeah. Of it's, it, I don't know exactly what age, psychologically, mm. that whether there's been any studies done as to where it is a cutoff. Mm. 
to where you can learn a new skill, mm. I don't think it's ever too late for anyone oh, viewing this no. podcast you, you to actually it. learn to code. Hey, if you're over 80 years old, learn to code. Bro. Yeah. If yeah. you want to learn to code, learn to code. But the funny thing about that, right, is it's kind of a meme, it's kind of a joke, but there is a company so in China, them. there's a company in China mm -hmm. that uh, it's AI that codes. Yeah. So there you go. You might not have to learn to code. You just get some of that software and then you're, you're coding. So there might be, there's, there's that kind of get rich quick scheme, but for skills. So You just got to get on top of it, folks. You, yeah, you, you just got to know how to manage the machine that knows how to code and beats everybody else. That's More it. to the point, the mm. growing disparity between the ultra wealthy mm. and the middle class. What do you think would be the best way to, I suppose upskill people and, and get them ready for the change, if anything? Do you think it's government intervention? Do you think it's privatisation through education? Do you think it's free education? What do you reckon? It's got to be privatisation through education. Okay. And you have to have corporate backing in this kind of a field. You need something that helps inject a lot of money into a lot of people's lives. And I think education as it stands now is... It's two sides of a, of a, of a coin, if you will. It yeah. needs constant investment, but it also needs to be putting out stuff back into the market. And that's just how our education system basically works. Is, yeah. Uh, they get money from government funding, but they also get a fair amount of funding from private investment. And that's why, at least in Australia, it's relatively cheap you know, from, a, from a global perspective uh, to have an education in a secondary sort of form of education in yeah. university and colleges and what have you. Not for international students, which is no. kind of interesting. Very, it's getting very difficult expensive. for them, man. Very yeah. expensive. And more to the point, when it comes to educating people for this up-and-coming fourth industrial revolution, which is yeah. what they're calling it, yeah, yeah. the main thing that people need to understand is don't look down on the people that are doing trades. Or the oh, laborers, no. because it's going to be a down. long time before mm. you can get a robot that's being dexterous enough to do some carpentry mm. or anything like that. And the funny thing is, these prestigious positions of lawyers, mm. doctors, okay, not insurance brokers, but, well, but, not but insurance, insurance brokers, brokers whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but but they're all can be efficiently exposed to creative destruction. Oh, yeah, it can be exposed, and it's a it's a smart move. Uh, Business-wise, because you can cut jobs, you can save costs, you can up your profit. That's it. So it's really fascinating to see this and to see where it all ends up. Mm. Now, retirement. Retirement. For you, for me, maybe, maybe not, but well, baby boomers. Uh, look, I don't really want to retire, right? but the baby boomers. Yeah. We love talking about the baby boomers, folks. We really do. Not, I think it's one in ten, according to a new report, has enough money to retire. CNN, one right? in ten. CNN apparently yeah. is selling the idea that one in ten of the baby boomers has enough funds to be able to afford to retire comfortably, and that one in ten has, even though it's nothing to really smirk at, only has around about five hundred grand in savings. Yeah, it's half a million dollars in savings, excluding their house. Yeah, and a lot of them haven't saved at, at all. Right? At all, man. at all. They've been spending their money crazily. The funny thing about this, especially with millennials mm. and Gen X, mm -hmm. is that a lot of them fall into the mindset of live it up, mm. you know, don't save, earn more. To an extent, that's kind of all right, but still you do need to 
to save and invest. Mm. I think I think that's the add-on for our generation. You've got to save and invest. Because if you're just saving, I mean, yeah, you might have a nest egg, but as we're finding with the older generations, mm. some of them haven't saved at all. Yeah. They haven't done anything mm. for themselves. And this retirement age, for millennials, I'd argue that, hey, I mean, it's probably gone. Retirement's but a pipe dream, man. If, yeah, if you want to pin it on an age... I don't know, 85, 90? I've got my foot in the grave by that time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, hopefully you'll be able to have a robot that can uh, code for you oh, yeah. when you're yeah. retired sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. But, yeah, man, I don't think retirement's a realistic goal for millennials anymore. What do you think, right, would be the best way for a person to start investing, say, for example with like an AI algorithm that kind of invests for them. Now, I know there's some stuff on the market now that my friends have been looking mm-hmm. at, and that's very fascinating because you think of this kind of disparity between, going back to what we were talking, to, mm. talking about earlier, the middle class, mm. which could become the great unwashed. You never know. But there's the disparity between the middle class and the ultra-wealthy. Now, if I had like a sizable amount... Even still, I'd be wise and be frugal about it. Yeah. You try and invest. Uh, would you trust the algorithm to kind of, you know, invest whilst you sleep? <laughs> okay, so let, let's define it. We're, we're allowing the algorithm and the computer or the software to invest for us. Yes, we're giving it some money and okay. we're saying, you know what? You know better than me. You're going to be interacting with... Hundreds of thousands. We're of not actually investing into the actual software that does this. No, sort of no. Because that's a fairly smart investment, anyway. Absolutely. Look, the smartest investments I would say to most people is: look, precious metals are still very valuable. You have to think about gold. You have to think about silver and yeah. platinum. They're yeah. always a smart, easy investment. Don't expect your money to necessarily explode, but it will always get a gradual increase in terms of uh, yeah. in terms of its value. Uh, I would say you know, software is a quick quick end to a means. So if you want a quick investment, software would probably be the best way to go. But but investing or allowing an algorithm or a software to invest for you, it's interesting, but I don't know if I would personally Hypothetically, it. it's, it's interesting, but also, I mean, it's very easy to see that if that was the case and you've only, you're the one that's allowed the AI algorithm to invest for you, there are still people that are investing on their human level, right? Oh, yeah. Which means that if the algorithm didn't compute for that, mm. then, I mean, it's not a very effective algorithm. That's wouldn't it. trade well. Wouldn't mm. trade well. This brings me back to the point that I, I read something today about our generation and the generations, you know, that are coming up. Those They're zoomers, investing in... They're going to be very yeah. fiscally conservative. Well, you they have, have to be. Yeah, and not only that, is uh, that they are investing in financial kind of complex assets. Mm. Now I'm not I'm not going to say right now that cryptocurrency is an investment. It's certainly speculation. Do you know anything about the origins has, of has the cryptocurrency of, uh, come Bitcoin? and gone? Has it been and gone? Has it burst its bubble, so to speak? That's uh, Bitcoin was oh man, look, if we could all go back in time with hindsight, go would on. you invest in you Bitcoin? You know the origin story. Oh, oh well, it came back what in two thousand and eight. It was part of the dark web. Yes, be very afraid, folks. The dark web cryptocurrency. Yeah. The yeah. all-paying digital currency. And it was linked to Silk Road and Dr- Dread Pirate Roberts, right? That's it. Yeah. But it was... this The elusive creator of Bitcoin mm. is Natashi Nakamoto, mm. who 
it was they the media think they got him, but no one really thinks mm, that. No. But there was uh, a link between a few characters, and it was all it was all interesting because it's not actually the cryptocurrency itself; it's the blockchain that's the decentralized nature to which these transactions can happen very quickly and very smartly so between computers. The whole point of Bitcoin is to say that it won't change in a digital capacity. So the value of Bitcoin is that it is so heavily encoded that it will not change its value. Yeah. It can only ever increase in value. It will never really essentially decrease in value, at least mm. the coin itself won't. Yeah. Uh, in terms of its value, in terms of the stock market, yeah, it'll, it'll fluctuate. If it'll you want one hell of an emotional roller coaster ride, and by the way, we're not financial advisors, we're not suggesting you do anything no, no. at all, but if you wanted one hell of a roller coaster ride, you would have put some money in Bitcoin. Oh, or yeah, back you, in 2008, 2012. You yeah, were. yeah, and it would have been crazy because I, I remember, I remember last year, my friends were investing, well, investing, sorry, speculating in crypto, and like, their emotions would just go up and down like a freaking yo-yo. Because you, as you can imagine, it was it's very fluctuating and you've got to get a, a, a cryptocurrency wallet and then you've got to make sure that you trade it. And the because the value's jumping up and down like a yo-yo, you don't know exactly what you're going to get unless you trade very smartly, very quickly, and you've got a willing buyer. That's it. Yeah. This is the kind of conversation I'm looking forward to having with uh, Georgie. Boy. Yeah, George. Yeah. George. We're definitely going to have more guests to talk on about this kind of financial stuff. Who have we got coming up? Who, Who have we got, we got coming, coming up? up? Wow. Because I know you've got a few people in the pipeline. We've got, hopefully, in his hoping, we've got our good friend uh, George. He'll be in next week. And then in the future, we're hoping for Mr. Alex Messenger. Okay. coming along. He's, he's a bit of a TV personality, right? He is a bit of a TV personality. Right, right. He's had his little share of fame, and I think... Uh, he reflects well on a lot of things. Yeah. He's been on The Chase, folks. The Chase. I don't think the episode's aired yet, but we have the privilege of him having him aboard our podcast. I'm sure we're definitely going to have the privilege of him being on our podcast. It's going to be very interesting. Okay. Uh, another person we might be having in the future is a Mr. Jesse Seegers. Jesse's an architectural student as well. Yeah. Or at least he previously was. And he's got some very fascinating and interesting ideas about uh, technology coming up for the future, like driverless cars. I, I want to touch on that. Mm. Driverless cars. Now, the ethical dilemma. Mm. You've got an, an autonomous vehicle, you've got, and it's going, I don't know, let's say 80 kilometers per hour mm -hmm. down a, a highway road. You've got cars behind it who are not autonomous vehicles. Now, probably there, there needs to be regulation with this, but the point is, with this idea, got the autonomous vehicle, you've got a grandmother, and you've got a baby. Who makes that ethical judgment? Who makes the judgment? Whose time is up? Is it the kid who's only been around for a, for a while? In which case, the Dems with legal infanticide would be certainly all for that. Or is it the grandmother? Is it the grandmother? Look, um, you have to ask yourself this question is... You have to ask yourself the question, uh, are you better than your parents' generation? Right. Are you better off in your, than your parents' generation? As a millennial, as a, as a Gen Z, as a Gen X, the baby boomers can definitely say that. But everybody after the baby boomers? What do you think? The baby boomers, are, we're linking it to this report that we looked at earlier today. Now, the baby boomers were gifted a lot of the privileges. Oh, yeah. they, they came after World War II. Mm -hmm. Education was relatively free. Mm -hmm. And they had all these opportunities to do, make the smart moves to... To retire, but as as it seems, it's not really the case. Yeah. Yeah. So what have they done exactly that's uh, 
sort of put them in such deep trouble? They haven't saved. The, the funny thing is, is, when we say save, yeah, save if you can. But the, I think the main thing that people get caught up with is, first of all, you need to earn enough. You need to budget it out mm. and you need to you need to make sure that you're taking steps proactively day by day to ensure some sort of passive income. And by you passive definitely income, definitely by passive do. income, I kind of mean, I mean shares or I also mean um, the ability to create something mm. today to reap the rewards tomorrow. Yeah. Something a little bit more uh, obvious and that's a bit more of a steady stream. You definitely should not invest in lottery and hoping to win that sort okay. of something. You know what I mean? This isn't so you're like saying, you're saying I should take I, my ticket back. I, I reckon you should actually, <laughs> man. Like I think solid and easy investments are the way to go if you can afford it. Now I would also say to yourself, how many millennials probably have one or two jobs? It's probably a, a large amount. You know, we're hoping to get through. I have two jobs. Yeah. I have two jobs as yep. well, my man. Yep. So it's not an uncommon thing to have two jobs as a millennial. And mm. uh, how many of those millennials live out of their parents' house? I only know quite... A, it's funny, because if I do know people, and I do know a few, I think off the top of the head, about three people that live out of home. Mm. They're, I'd say, a little, few years older than me. I'm 25. Mm. They're living out of home, but they're, they're surviving. That, it, they're, not, they're not living, That's really. It. Yeah, surviving and living are two different things. Yeah. You have to ask yourself, are you better off than your parents' generation? But before the power outage mm. that we had... yeah. I was making the call of an autonomous vehicle heading mm. towards a baby and a grandma. Now, the moral should, decision. should there be a human being that makes that moral decision? That's where I'm going with that. Will the AI Is that make a that job? moral decision? If Will that AI, be coded in, man? If the AI makes that moral decision, whose hands are bloody? It's, Is it, it the developer? Yeah, theoretically, it's going to be that developer from a legal perspective. Right? Absolutely, absolutely. It doesn't matter if somebody codes it in that it's going to be the grandma, which is a decision I would make. Okay. You've had plenty of time to live. I right? love yeah. my grandma. Well, I love my nana too, mate. It's, what are you it's doing? all good. But nana's got to go. Nana's going to go. Nana's had a time in the sun. She has. Um, um, she's looking pretty wrinkly. She probably is, mate. A little bit pruney at this yeah. stage. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, that's definitely going to be on the developer. Mm. Or if it's not the developer of the program and they've sold that program, it's going to be the person who's bought out that publish, uh, that, that software, that, that level of code. Because there is legal precedent in coding now. I want to get really deep right now. How deep? And this question... Balls deep? This, this, no, well, <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, I want to get into the question that I've never asked you. And I'm actually going to ask you whilst we're recording this because I feel like it's it's appropriate. Do we? Because we're going to get a good answer. We're, we're going to get, get an honest answer. answer. Oh shit! Do you believe in God, sir? Uh, Here we yeah, go. Yeah. Here we go. Always, always, always back spasmed up when I ask that, guys. <laughs> Chill. You're talking about God. I I believe in a in a moral force. Let's okay. say. I don't necessarily believe in a Judeo-Christian God. So you're not for the kind of Jordan Peterson uh, stance because he's no, very Judeo. No, I'm not for the Jordan Peterson stance in a lot of ways. I think uh, biologically we're driven to do what we consider good behaviour, and again it's back to that old argument that we're having before of uh, so, tribalism. So religion, in your mind, is kind of like a, a evolutionary hangover. Yeah. So you're more of a Sam, Sam Harris fan. Then. Yeah, I yes. probably am a bit more of a Sam Harris fan. But again, I wouldn't say that Sam Harris is correct. Yeah. I don't know necessarily if it's a one all-powerful supernatural uh, creator. 
But I would say that there is a purpose to our existence as people. I... It's funny for And me. I would say it's up to you as the individual to yeah. come up with that purpose without hurting others. Probably I think it's way. also important for a lot of people that do believe in God. Mm. I think it's a wonderful thing to have faith in a higher power. I think it grounds there's a, you. There's a sense of community makes there. Makes a sense of community. Beautiful. Mm. I also believe that external to that, you need to have some sort of belief system. Yeah. In other words, if there's someone that comes around that's smart that presents a secular view that is inconsistent with your Judeo-Christian view, mm-hmm. then you need to be able to have your own purpose exterior to God. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we are all actors within this world trying to better our circumstances in, as individuals. Yeah. And, I mean, Richard Dawkins, mm. the author of The Selfish Gene, would argue that we're just here to survive. We're mm. here to reproduce. We're here to live it up. And we're here to live the legacy. I don't, I don't think he's it's wrong. very Darwinistic. I don't think he's wrong, though. Yeah. But I think there has to be more than that, especially as a human being with that sort of thought. I love to believe the fact that there is more than that. Yeah. But wouldn't it be sad if it was just that? More Again, than that a, multiverse evolved, theory. Evolved that's sort days. of like patting evolved me on the days. back. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Look, uh, we are evolved apes. I'm very much a Darwinian type of person, and I'm thinking that the most adaptive genes of human beings will come to fruition, whether we like hearing that or not. Yeah. But I think, uh, you know, when it comes to what is our ultimate destiny, as I said before, maybe in our previous podcast, we got to explore that universe, man. we got to see that black hole up close uh, in person. I think we're going to touch on this last topic before yeah. we wrap up. Hmm. And we're going to do that mm. in the next episode yeah. after we interview George, which yeah. I'm very much looking forward to. Now, they have, apparently, some medical scientists have discovered weaknesses within cancer genes, which could prove a lot of hope for cancer sufferers. Oh, yeah. Now, in the article that I was reading, uh, BBC, you can go check it out on their, on their website, uh, is the fact that they discovered various weaknesses within the cells of cancer. Now, if they can target these weaknesses, they could potentially, hypothetically, eliminate the cancer. Mm. And this could also stop people from going through chemotherapy. Some of the, the vast problems with chemotherapy is obviously a very painful experience. Yeah. And then also, the cancer sufferer goes through chemotherapy and their body's so depleted that by the time that happens, they can't really do what they're talking about. This new medical advancement can't be... Uh, enforced or asserted in any kind of way. You've got to understand what chemotherapy is. It's essentially you're injecting the patient with poison. Yeah. Like the worst kind of poison almost. Like almost a bleach, worse than that possibly. And of course they're going to be weakened by that. Yeah. And it's just in the hope of destroying a handful of cells. Um, that's it's almost insanity. Like if you'd explain this to somebody almost, what, 50, 60 years ago when we had less cancer, I imagine... I'm not sure well, historically. Well, Got I'm no sure idea. people did die of cancer way, way, way back in ancient times as well. A lot of the plague too. Yeah, yeah. I love that plague, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's just interesting. I, I want to see what happens with this research. I want to see the results of it. Yeah. I think that is probably the best kind the, of purpose. The funny thing is, is uh, when I was reading this article, in the mm. back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay... Mm. Is it BuzzFeed? You know, because there's, there's always an article every now and again, oh, new breakthrough for cancer. Now, obviously, I have no expertise in the medical field. I, I, I believe whenever they release an article, it's hyping up a very incremental advancement. Oh, yeah. I don't think these things happen overnight. Uh, they could, 
I think I think penicillin happened overnight. I think it was almost a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> but um. But yes, uh, I I believe this is is very good. But we've got a local election, Larry. Right. A, lo- a federal election. Federal. Federal. Federal, mate. Federal. Get it federal. right. Federal. <laughs> big, big and important. Show, shows how much I pay attention to uh, local uh, politics well, in comparison I, I, to global politics. I think federal politics in Australia is probably the most boring subject that we could talk about. We've got to talk about it. So of course we have our mate Scott Morrison. Scotty Morrison. Scomo. He's just decided randomly to come back from, uh, I believe, some sort of international conference. Might have been Indonesia. Might have been. Might have been even be India. Could have. Who yeah. knows? He's decided to pull a emergency election, a real quick one, uh, set for May. Mm. Mm. I feel the reason he's done this, and correct me if I'm wrong. I feel the reason he's done this is a few people in the public have been chirping up saying. Oh, you just got it from Malcolm Turnbull. You didn't get it. You didn't get it appropriately. You weren't voted by the people That's through it. a fair democratic and let's be honest, the turnouts for the Australian elections are great. Mm. We've got like about ninety five percent. Whether the fact that it's compulsory, otherwise you get a fine, is a good yeah. thing for democracy is another conversation. And we'll visit that. We can visit that next week. Probably. Exactly. Who knows? But um it's Bill Shorten. He's not very popular at the moment, or at the least he's tax. in a bit of a bit of a not a good public reputation at the moment. But I I would argue neither what is you, Scott Morrison. What do you know about the death tax? I don't know that much. I, Maybe you can tell us, man. Now I'm gonna break this down. Break it down. And I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of people in the comments that correct me, but I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna give it my best because I know a little bit. I know a little bit. So from what I've understood about it, it is some. Uh, method in which taxation is taken from people uh, that die uh, that don't use their superannuation to an extent. It's some sort of um, uh, taxation, maybe capital gains. I could be completely incorrect, Mm -hmm. so I'll put that out there. I'm not sure. Don't take my word for that. Yeah. So as people die, basically... Government gets a small cut of what would have been yeah. their inheritance. Is that yeah, it's kind, it's kind of tax. finding finding ways for a kind of you know government revenue. That's kind of disgusting. It, it is. It is kind of disgusting. I don't. Did know. Bill Shorten suggest this? I, I'm pretty sure he's backing it, and it, it is is pretty uh, bizarre. Yeah. But to be fair, if we break it down for people who are you know watching from the US, China, India, wherever they're watching on YouTube right now, mm-hmm. now. Australian politics. Now, yep. if we bring this down, okay, so we've got... What's the nutshell at the end of all the right, day? We've got, we've got the House of Representatives. This yep. is the federal, by the way. This yep. is the federal thing. So we've got the House of Representatives, and on top of it, we've got the Senate. Senate. So yep. Senate, Senate, House of Representatives. Senate are a state-by-state, state, aren't they? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So these people are pretty much elected mm-hmm. by about a pool of about 10,000 to about 15,000 people within That's an it. electorate, which That's is like it. a demographic area. Mm-hmm. Now, these people are obviously nominated by the people. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is, when you go into the polling station, you're not voting for the preferred prime minister. That's it. You're voting for the member of your party. That's it. So for, for me, a member for Tangy, name escapes me right now, but you vote for that person. Mm-hmm. You vote for the mem- member of Tangy, and uh, that goes forward towards the party preferred. That's it. So, so for any, everyone at home that... We're pretty much taking it from the Commonwealth system. That's it. And that's directly from the UK. Yeah. Clarify, Larry, if I've gotten anything astray, if I need, we need to add anything to that. 
for people that it's don't It's all based from it. English common law, yes. basically. Yeah. Uh, we don't have a House of Lords in Australia. Technically, we're still a constitutional monarchy. That's it. Uh, Queen Elizabeth is the final say on every piece of legislation that goes through. But, of Absolutely. course, we have our acting governor general. Yeah. The acting governor general is, of course, Peter Cosgrove. And he's the representative of the Queen on behalf of the That's Queen. It. And, he can f- and he can fire mm. the, the PM, right? That's Which it. is the, the, the constitutional the crisis of 1970. That's that it. Crazy. Mm. Absolutely crazy. I think the only outlier for the people that are watching at home from the Australian uh, parliamentary uh, system would be uh, Queensland, which is unicameral. That's yeah. one house. So that, that's, that's very interesting. But more to the mm-hmm. point, so we've got Scott Morrison, mm-hmm. Bill, Bill Shorten. Shorten. Yeah. Now, Labor, on the latest stats that I've looked at, are leading in the party. That doesn't surprise me. But Scotty's got it on... Mm-hmm. On uh, Bill Shorten in terms of you know, the preferred prime minister, yeah, who's going to come out on top, uh, and look, why? Well, we we know a lot about our media is controlled by one man, and of course we know who that is. That's Rupert Murdoch. Yeah, if Murdoch says this person is going to be prime minister, you can almost guarantee, you could almost put a bet on it that that person's going to be prime minister. And I a think. lot of people who pundit this kind of uh, interesting sort of politics way of thinking pretty sure that the backing is behind Scott Morrison. Uh, Bill Shorten has a good chance, and we basically have a two-party system in Australia, but I'd also like to point out that if you vote for an independent as your first candidate, it's not a waste of your vote, because your second choice of candidate is almost always going to be one of the two parties, so again, it goes back to that two-party system. Yes, the party preferred Mm. ballot paper, and it's very fascinating with that, because that kind of gives me a thought. Mm. Now, does that mean that the, the Liberal and Labour Party are always vying for Rupert Murdoch's attention? That's in. As I mean, always. Have you not I mean, seen that kind of, of stuff? Band. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't... Like I said, I mean, I'm very global about the things I focus on on my news content. But, uh, but yeah, if that's the case, is there, is there an example that I should be aware of with uh, in the past? There's almost always a meeting with Rupert Murdoch. Rupert Murdoch always comes over from the US. He's not an Australian citizen anymore, I might add. Yeah. He gave it up for an American citizen. He needed to do that for uh, News of the World or, or the, and Washington Post, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, who's, Washington Post, just to clarify, is now owned by Jeff Bezos. Yeah. But that was, that was, it was is, News of I the World. As is, I believe, the Fox Network. News Corp. News that was Corp. the one. News Corp. The that was one. Yeah. yeah. So it's a bit crazy. Uh, look, if Murdoch says you're A-OK, you almost got the pat on the shoulder. It's kind of this weird system that we have in Australia. But ultimately, it's going to be... Not necessarily a head-to-head election, but it'll be an interesting election to see how much of the voter turnout is actually going to come out. I mean, will people just be like, look, this whole system is bullshit, and they'll take the fine, or are they going to go for... The budget. Does the budget have any kind of effect on it? I did watch it. It was a budget surplus, so... People are happy at the moment in Australia, but... I don't think we're happy with the system. And we're never really happy with the system in Australia. No. The funny thing is, is if you look at the comparison between Australian politics and their politicians and America, mm. I've never seen such a starch contrast in mm. personalities. Oh, yeah. In that, like, you know, the US, they're mm. out there. They're all, they're all, well, they're bigger, they're larger than they're life. Bigger they're bigger than America. America. That's, they're it. American. That's it. But with it. Australians, kind of, you know, you stay it's on the straight the and narrow. Pu- it's the pencil pushers. You look man. a little bit above me, I'm going to tear you down. Yeah. You know, we she'll be have, right. We do have that tall poppy syndrome. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Look, we've had plenty of interesting, probably even good hearted moral characters go through Parliament, but none of them ever make it that far, I'll say. Who's your favourite PM? PM? Yeah. 
I did actually like Malcolm Turnbull for for a while. Um, probably have to say Hawking. Yeah, okay, yeah. Hawking. I I actually didn't mind Howard. Mm. Believe it or not, Johnny was all good, man. He, jo- he jo- was consistent. It was all right. I who was the who was the guy that can skull the beer at a, at a cricket game Hawking. all the time? Yeah, This man. Now you have to watch this. Go check it. I will leave a link to this video mm. of him. Sculling a beer, he does this. He won a competition in his youth. He can scull a beer. It's just marvellous to see an old timer be able to, you know, be one with the crowd. Be Makes one Australia with the proud, mate. Don't it's, you worry. <laughs> it's really, absolutely amazing. Now, this is another thing. Okay, mm. from Australian politics back to the US. Mm-hmm. So there is now a gay Democratic candidate. Who is it? Bulgogi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, the name escapes me right now. But uh-huh. he, anyway, I was just wondering, do you think that's going to be... Identity politics creeping back is in. That, but it's a Democrat. Is like, that a, a frontrunner? The guy looks mm. very, very conservative. we got Beto. Yeah. We've got... Conservative with his dress attire, obviously. He's Democratic, but yeah. It's all pomp and circumstance at the end of the day. It doesn't matter what you're really wearing. As long as you appeal to the certain American voter that you know will vote for you. You have to appeal to your target demographic. Yeah. And target demographic could again be, you know, middle class, could be yeah. upper class, lower class, yeah. black, white, uh, Hispanic voter for some reason. You know, yeah. the US is a different beast entirely it's to probably, Australian politics. probably like he might be able to gay bait a few votes. Oh, yeah. Now, I use, I don't use that term lightly, gay mm. baiting, because mm. there is a few musicians that have come out recently yeah. and they're being real for it. Ariana Grande released mm. a new song. Yeah. And that song was called Monopoly. And the whole song is kind of, you know, flirting with the idea that she's bisexual. Mm. And it's it's fascinating because there's a lot of hate towards that because they feel like it's inauthentic. Do you remember when Katy Perry's song that I Kissed a Girl oh, and yeah. Liked It came out? Yeah. There Re- was a bit of an uproar Rita with Ora's, that. like, Girls. There's a lot of songs mm. like that. I... It's it's funny because I suppose on a pure product level it makes sense it sells, to appeal to a, six a wide cells and it doesn't matter which sex yeah, it is you yeah know? but I don't know do you think do you think Ariana Grande is playing you know look tongue in cheek she's might I be think a, she, I think she's sort of plugging it as a clever marketing us? one yeah. okay I think yeah. she's doing a clever marketing tool she doesn't strike me as an idiot man she strikes no. me as kind of deceptively clever she's very good at putting on a mask. Let's say that. Mm. She's, she can put on a face. I'm a um, big fan of Pete Davidson, who mm. she did ditch. Mm. And they broke... Well, they broke up. I'm not sure. Yeah. But more to the point, she's she's very... Like you said, she's very brilliant at remaining in, in pop culture and the kind of social media scene. I, she overtook Selena Gomez the other mm. day for the most Instagram followers. Man, Instagram following is kind of important nowadays. It's, yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. I'll give her that, but I mean, Ariana Grande, she'll keep performing probably well into her mid-30s, probably. Mm. But uh, she presents something at least a little bit interesting, but her act is almost entirely around youth and being youthful and being a little experimental. And you think that's going to be a little bit sadder when she gets a little bit older? A little maybe, bit older? maybe. It might be a bit of kind of Madonna, Twilight thing. I, yeah. I, I do hold her in that higher regard. If she's, if she's consistent... Mm-hmm. Releases good music. I didn't mind her last album. Mm. More to the point, I want to know who was your favourite actor growing up? 
favorite actor? Yes. Or yeah. do you mean musical actor? Or Act- musician, no, man. Actor. 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 I'm talking actor. Hollywood. I'm talking Pacino. I'm talking about De Niro. You just said it, man. Al Pacino. Oh, okay. Al Pacino. Al Pacino. I mean, for God's sake. Why? Why? He's, he was very, very charismatic in his one role as Michael Corleone and as Tony Montana and then it turned into Serpico and then it, even The Scent yeah. of a Woman is a great movie because Al Pacino's in it, man. I, I love him in the, I think it's The Devil's Advocate where uh, Keanu Reeves is there and... He's Satan? Yeah, yeah he's Satan. Yeah. I, I've never seen such an amazing depiction of the demonic lord, mm. uh, so to speak. It's just brilliant. It's very brilliant. My favorite. Maybe was... Ozzy Osbourne's a little bit better as the Dark Prince. I'm okay. Just say. <laughs> okay. Maybe. 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 Um, but for me, I feel my favorite one is probably Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. 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 What was the first one that you saw? In I, I I saw obviously Titanic, but I was very fascinated with uh, Catch Me If You Can because there's a very kind of fake it till you make it, then I kind of get caught kind of story to that plot. There's a good contrast between Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks as well, who's probably the nicest guy in Hollywood. What's the contrast? I'm curious. I disagree. You think there's you think there's something to disagree with? Catch Me If You Can is a good movie because. Oh wait! In, in the movie with, yeah, with Tom Hanks, with ah, Tom I thought, Hanks, you, I thought yeah. you were comparing Leonardo DiCaprio. No, to Tom in the Hanks. movie, in the oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I could. I mean, don't, don't, I think they're good actors. Really, really? But, yeah. Yeah. I think the, the world's Does anybody hate Tom Hanks though? Can that, you hate Tom Hanks? I don't. I've been cast away. Was I? I, I that was a crack up, what right? That was a crack up. <laughs> Absolute crack up. By the way, <laughs> absolutely brilliant. Um, now, obviously, we've got. A few guests coming up. Yeah, we do now, have a few guests coming up. We've got, coming up for you guys, we've mm-hmm. got George, mm-hmm. who's a dear friend of mine, and he's going to delve into a little bit what we touched on today with the education of being outdated, and that kind of bleeds into finances, personal yeah. entrepreneurship, and ways in which you can kind of grow your own financial knowledge outside of the mainstream education, mm-hmm. because that's very pivotal. Mm-hmm. And you had a, a TV personality that's going to come on. Yeah he's, yeah, he's been on The Chase. He's a good friend of mine. He's Alex Messenger. He's going to be a bit of fun to interview. Uh, being a butcher, he's going to present a little bit of an argument on possibly what it's like to be a vegan himself. So he's both a butcher and a vegan. He's a butcher and a vegan. Uh, yeah. What? Man. How did you get to Man. the conclusion? That, what that I is, uh, that's a very, he's very good, tough in- job. Interesting trivia. Mate, that's, that's almost like <laughs> being a homophobe in a gay, gay club. Yeah. It's almost it's like almost that. Like that almost it? like that, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's going to be... Self-loathing kind of thing. It's going to be an interesting conversation, I can guarantee you. He's a uh, good guy, too. And also, I'm still selling the, the first book that I released, which is Escaping the Victim Mindset. Uh, you can direct message me for a discount. That's only 888 AUD. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for watching the podcast. We have got links to our PayPals. We're just two guys. We want to produce the best quality content for you guys week in, week out. So take the time to make a small donation if you like to. Mm-hmm. As per usual, like and subscribe the channel. Larry? Yeah, hey, remember guys, every donation that you make is not for our personal bank account, it's for the show. So if yeah. you want to see this quality of this, this podcast increase, please make a donation. We really appreciate that. You know, we want to make the best kind of viewing experience for you folks. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for mm-hmm. watching. and uh, Peace, guys. Peace.